Welcome to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit cccsterling.org. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. Really good to have you here today. You should know by now that today is Mission Sunday. And even though we have been mission-minded since the very beginning, for the last six or seven years, on the first Sunday in May, we receive a missions offering. And our goal, again this year, the same as it's been in past years, is $100,000. And just so you know, all of the money that we raise today and to the end of the year that's designated for missions will go toward missions. All of the money. We're not going to take out or remove a percentage of the money for administrative fees or expenses like some organizations do. And I want you to know the board of directors did not authorize a special cut or bonus for me if I can get us to the $100,000 mark. Okay, I promise you, every penny that is raised for missions will go to missions. That's something that I'm very adamant about. Now, there are two overriding dynamics that have allowed us to be successful with our mission endeavors in the past. And those two dynamics are generosity and 100% participation. And we're going to need that again this year. That's why for the past several weeks, we have encouraged you, especially if Community Christian Church is your home church, to prayerfully consider making a $250 donation. And I've been bold enough to say to you, or include in the notes, that if you're able to do so, if you can afford it, we're going to nudge you a little bit to give maybe a little more than a $250. And on the other hand, if you don't have an extra $250 lying around, then we're going to ask you to pick up a pledge card and make weekly or monthly payments from now until the end of the year. And if you make weekly payments, I think it comes in at a little bit over $7. If you choose monthly payments, like $31 and change. See, this is not a hard sell. This is really all of us doing our part. Now, whenever we talk about missions here at our church, there's always two verses of scriptures that I like to quote. Now, there are many others in the Bible that address the same issue, but I love these two. One's found in the New Testament, the other one in the Old Testament. You've heard me say or quote these verses on many different occasions. The first one in the New Testament, James 1.27, says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. The second verse is found in Isaiah 1.17. Learn to do good. I love the fact that we're encouraged to learn to do good. Not something that comes naturally. It's an art that takes a lot of work. Learn to do good. Seek or pursue justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Basically, these two verses... In the Old Testament, New Testament, say the very same thing. And this is the reason why we do Mission Sunday. It's to reach out beyond the walls of our church 
to care for widows and orphans, and to show mercy and compassion to the poor. And this is something that is deeply embedded in the heart of our God. You see, we have a big problem in our world today. It's called injustice. Say that. Injustice. It's nothing new. Injustice has been around since the beginning of time. And other terms you're familiar with that say the same thing as injustice are hatred, prejudice, indifference, intolerance, discrimination, and exploitation. And none of these things are good. And when things aren't right in our world, God looks to the church of Jesus Christ to fix them, to make them a matter of prayer, to get involved, to work together, and to try and come up with solutions. Not to look the other way or ignore the problem or act like it doesn't exist. Not to conclude that this is the way it's always been, this is the way it's going to be, so why bother? No, God is calling us, the people of God, to make it right. He wants us to do something about it. And he's given us the grace and the resources to do that. God has given us what we need to make a difference in our world. Now, over and over again, because I love you so much, and I really do, but I have reminded you that one of the biggest battles that we face in this life is greed and selfishness. Greed has all but shipwrecked humanity. And God's remedy for greed is generosity. I've mentioned this to you on many times, many occasions, especially when we're talking about giving, we're talking about tithing. That means that some of the blessing that you have, some of the material wealth that you've received mainly because it all comes from God in the first place, it doesn't belong to just you. God has divinely and he has purposely intended for us to share some of our resources with people who are less fortunate. And when we're willing to do that, we have the power to change the world. We have the resources necessary to make a difference. And I don't mean just change everybody else. Not change the world for everyone else. I'm talking about changing the world for you. Actually allowing God to make a better version of you. Simply by being generous. generous. By acknowledging that some of the things I have, even though God has blessed me with them, even though I've worked hard for them, even though I'm smarter than like five other people that I know, <laughs> they're, they're given to you purposely and divinely so that you can release them and share them with other people. Now, in his book, Outlive Your Life, best-selling author Max Lucado asks three riveting questions. And I'd like to pass those three questions along to you this morning and ask you those same questions. They're hard-hitting questions, and my goal in asking you these three questions is just to compel you to stop for a moment and to think. That's all I'm asking you to do. That's all I want you to do. Is to think about these three questions that I'm going to present to you. And in the thought process, just be honest with yourself. Now, when I ask these questions, I don't want you to respond verbally or publicly. Uh, you know, don't let anything come out of your mouth. Don't raise your hand. Just think. 
Just think about them. Okay, question number one. If you lived the same life that you live today during the time of World War II, so you're a Christian, you love the Lord with your, all your heart, and you attend church and so, so if you lived the same life that you live today during World War II, would you have taken a stand against Hitler? That's question number one. Would you have taken a stand against Hitler? Question number two. If you live the same life as you live today during the civil rights movement, so you love the Lord with all your heart, you are a Christian, you go to church and so, if you live the same life that you lived today during the civil rights movement, would you have taken a stand against racism? And finally, number three. When your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren learn that you live during a day when every year two million innocent children are exploited in global commercial sex trades, how will they judge or interpret your individual response to that? Let me ask that question again. When your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren find out that you live during a day when every year two million children are exploited in the sex trades, how will they interpret your response to that? You see, I can handle question number one and question number two because those days are gone. They're in the past. And I don't really know how I would have responded in those days. It's impossible to know unless you're in it. I would like to think that I would have taken a bold stand against Hitler. I would like to think that I would have fought hard against racism because injustice makes me crazy. But truth be told, I don't know what I would have done. It's impossible to tell because those days are behind me. So I can handle question number one and question number two pretty readily. But see, it's question number three that haunts me. Question number three keeps me awake at night because question number three is happening right now. And when you interpret question number three, when you read it, it forces a choice or a decision on your part. Like, am I going to allow injustice and abuse, oppression, and the exploitation of innocent children today and act like it's no big deal? Or am I going to roll up my sleeves, get involved, and do everything I possibly can to fight for those who can't fight for themselves? See, that's the choice that we're facing today. And we're in this one. The other two are gone. There's not much we can do about those two. I mean, we can try to make amends to those people who were offended but we can't really do anything about those situations. This is the one where we have every ability to do something about it. You see, in years to come, and again, I've had a chance to think about all this, but years from now, when my grandchildren are old enough to understand these things, when Audrey and Gio come to me because now they're young adults and older and they ask me the tough questions, I want to be able to look them in the eye and tell them sex trafficking and injustice is wrong. Amen. 
It's dead wrong. And I did everything I possibly could to stop it. Who knows, by the grace of God, if we joined forces and we worked really hard, maybe we could turn this around. See, that's the kind of legacy that I want to leave for my grandchildren. That's what I want to pass along as the people of God. That we got involved in our day. And we made a difference. Now, that doesn't mean you have to give away everything. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what the scripture says. God never requires that we give away everything. He wants our heart. He wants 100% commitment on our part when it comes to serving him. But he's not asking for it all. He is, however, he is asking us to share some of what we have. The scripture encourages us over and over again to be generous and to have our heart set on the poor. And we have a great example to follow. During his earthly ministry, Jesus made every effort to reach out and show obvious compassion to the poor. Repeatedly, he made the least of these, those that everyone else rejected, everyone else ignored and turned away from, he made them a top priority. And he was able to effectively pass along this same ministry objective to his disciples. Because in the book of Acts, shortly after Jesus returned to the Father, and the disciples began to lead the early church, we're told that Peter and the boys, they set up a pretty effective benevolence ministry. Acts chapter 2, verses 32 and 34 says, all the believers shared everything they had. They gave some of their possessions to the poor. How much did they give? They gave some of their possessions to the poor, and as a result, there were no needy people among them. They were able to see the need they were able to understand that they could get involved and they could make a difference. And the scripture says for the church in the book of Acts that everybody got involved and there were no needy people among them. And then Saul, after he was converted, he jumped right on that as well. He made that mission of reaching out to the poor his mission. And when Saul of Tarsus became Paul the Apostle, and when the disciples, the, the original disciples, saw that the hand of God was upon him and they commissioned him to be an apostle to the Gentiles, they gave him one requirement, one responsibility. He, it's, it's found in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 10. Paul said, what they gave for me to do was to continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So you find the same theme throughout the Bible. You find it in the Old Testament. You find it in the New Testament. Everywhere in between. God has always been an advocate for the poor. For the people in need. For those who are the least of these and the people that we sometimes turn away from. In fact, on one occasion in Mark chapter 14 and verse 7, Jesus made the statement that you will have the poor with you always. And if that's the case... If poverty is here to stay, then that means that the church has work to do. As long as there are poor people, we have something to do. And again, it's the church that God is putting the loving pressure on to respond. It's not people outside the church. It's you and me. 
because he has literally opened the windows of heaven to us and has provided us with tremendous amount of resources to change our world. See, God knows that. He keeps the, the books. Now, currently, there are approximately 7.5 billion people in the world. 7.5 billion people in the world. And of the 7.5 billion, half of them are poor. And when I say poor, uh, that means that they live on about $2 a day. Three and three-quarter billion people live on $2 a day. We would call them poor. Then there are the extreme poor. There's 30% of the 7.5 billion, or right around two and a quarter billion. Those people live on a little over a dollar a day. And every night, a billion people, a billion of the 30%, they go to bed hungry. And when I say they go to bed hungry, that means they probably didn't have anything to eat that day. Maybe a little something to eat, maybe nothing to eat for that day. According to the latest numbers, there are 153 million orphans in the world. 14 million live in Africa alone. And they've been orphaned by the AIDS epidemic. If orphans were a country of their own, check this out, please. If orphans were a country of their own, the, their population would rank ninth in the world just ahead of Russia at 145 million people. And just since I started speaking to you and sharing some of this with you, right around 300 children have died of preventable disease, like malaria, cholera, or pneumonia. That's 18 children a minute worldwide dying from disease. And for the most part, not in every case, but most of the cases, those deaths could have been prevented with one injection of medication. Just one shot. Okay, one more. Every year, three million people die from waterborne diseases. Three million. They don't have drinking water, pure water, fresh water, and that leads to their death. Making the lack of clean water the leading cause of disease and death in our world today. Friend, these are staggering and very sobering statistics, and there's a lot more of them, particularly in light of the fact that we have ample resources. We have the grace of God and the ability of, to, of God to make a difference and change this around. Do you know right now that we have enough food in the world to feed the one billion people who go to bed hungry every night, we have enough food. In fact, we waste enough food to feed them. We have enough empty bedrooms in our homes to house every single orphan in our world. And we have enough medicine and enough clean, fresh drinking water to put a sizable dent in sickness and disease. Truth is, this is the wealthiest the smartest and most educated generation ever. Today, there are more millennials with college degrees than any other generation. And I know millennials, sometimes they get a bad rap, but they're brilliant. 
They are technical geniuses that have answers for our world. And this is God's doing. It's always God's doing. But please believe me when I tell you, when I sound the alarm, and I say to you that God has given this generation the resources necessary to change our world. And one day he's going to hold us accountable because there is passage after passage in the scripture that talks about us getting involved, not looking the other way. I mean, you listen to the ministry of Jesus, read his heartbeat, and he had a great desire to reach out to the poor and to those who are in need, and he's passed that along to us. This should be a top priority in our lives, to make every effort to change the world in which we live. That's what we're doing here. That's what Community Christian Church is doing. We've been doing it for the past 26 years. By the grace of God, we have been fully committed to the gospel message, a, a message of good news and good deeds. And if you're a part of our church, and if you've gotten involved in some of the things that we've been doing, you're a part of all that. You are literally changing the world and making a difference. God has anointed us. He has commissioned us, and he's empowered us to make a difference. And we're doing that just by sharing some of our resources with the world around us. Now, last month, or a little more than a month ago in March, Sam and Aaron Oginski, they led a team of 10 people back to Cambodia where we as a church are fiercely involved in a fight against human trafficking or modern-day slavery. We're fighting that cause. And if you ask me from my perspective, that is the number one social issue of our day. And we're going to talk about that tremendous mission trip in just a couple of minutes. But before we do, in case you missed the 2017 financial report that I gave back in February, let me just highlight the missions part. Last year, through our Mission Sunday initiative, exactly one year ago, we raised over $100,000. It was like 105000 But we ended up giving $129,000 to missions. So we brought in $105,000 as a church, but we gave $129,000 away. $65,000 went to home mission projects, including our own food pantry outreach. You may not know this, we have one of the largest food distribution centers in the entire Macomb area. We're feeding 150 families a week. If we didn't have food for them, they wouldn't be eating. Right here in Sterling Heights, we have people that would go to bed hungry if we didn't provide food. Additionally, we support the Abigail House for Unwed Mothers and also McCrest, which is a homeless shelter. And last year, the first year in a long time, we didn't actually house the McCrest residents in our church building, but we paid full expenses for them to stay at a neighboring hotel for two full weeks, which is a really big deal. And then 65,000, pardon me, 64,000 went to foreign missions. Places like Cambodia and Haiti, Uganda, Thailand, South Africa, and Romania were involved in fighting trafficking and helping the poor in all of these places. In Haiti, we continued to provide free medication at the pharmacy that we built several years ago in Bocasel, Haiti. Because of that pharmacy, all children under the age of five are treated and vaccinated for free. Friends, that pharmacy is saving lives. 
That pharmacy is giving life to children. You're a part of that because of your generosity. Additionally, in Haiti, we support Kingdom Kids Orphanage. Every month, we send regular financial support to feed, clothe, educate, and provide life skills for all of the orphans who are housed there. And so the vast majority of our Mission Sunday efforts go toward meeting the needs of the poor, feeding the hungry, providing medical assistance, fighting against human trafficking, and caring for widows and orphans just like we are instructed to do in the scripture. All right, let's talk about Cambodia. Sam and Aaron Oginski, they've been coming to our church for maybe 20 years, if not 20, close to 20, and they've responded to the call of God that he's placed upon their lives to be missionaries to their world. They started a nonprofit ministry called Mission 25. The goal of Mission 25 in Cambodia is to go to the 25 provinces in that nation and preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Some of those provinces are so remote they have never heard the name of Jesus. And this past March, 10 people from our church went there and they did some amazing things. So I'd like you to just check out this video and we're, we're highlighting just what we were able to do there. You know, sometimes it's amazing to me that we can sit and watch some of the things that God is doing and just take him in stride. Were you able to comprehend and understand what we're doing in Cambodia because of the grace of God? When you read the subtitles that we're baptizing people, people are getting saved, they're becoming disciples, we're feeding them, we're clothing them, we're giving them life skills. Do you understand, do you comprehend that that is the heart of God and the mission that he's given us to do and you're doing it? Can you feel good about that? You should. I mean, it was hard for me to sit there not want to jump out of my chair and start yelling. What an incredible opportunity that God has given to us. These are eternal rewards. These are eternal changes that we're making in the lives of people. You know, uh, four years ago, uh, three and a half, four years ago, I went to Cambodia. And, and years earlier, I was in Haiti, and I, I have to admit, I, I was blown away by the extreme poverty. I mean, I've seen poor people. I've worked in the city of Detroit. There's poor people, and then there's extreme poverty. When people don't eat and people don't have anything to wear and people don't own a thing. In Cambodia, uh, at one point we were in this area where there was a, uh, just a bunch of huts. I, I think it was in the middle of a jungle. Hut after hut after hut. I, I couldn't believe people actually lived in those huts. And then right in the middle of that jungle there was this beautiful mansion. This incredible big house made with the finest building materials that I, I saw in Cambodia in that area. <coughs> And I asked, who, who's there? Who lives there? A prince? Is somebody, who, a doctor? Who's, who lives there? And the resident said, oh no, they have relatives from America. And they help them out a little bit. Friend, we have resources. God has blessed us. 
God has enabled us, if we would just stop long enough to consider what God is calling us to do. Now, we can't all go. When, when, he, when the scripture says that he sends us out, the Great Commission, not everybody is to go on the mission field. I, it, it, you know, if God puts in your heart, that's great. But we're not all called to the mission field, but we are all called to the Great Commission to do our part. And again, I, I would rather this cause get in your heart than you reach for your wallet. I would rather that you understand the heart of God and what he's calling us to do, to look beyond ourselves, to actually allow God to change us, to knock us off center, and to realize just how much we have and how much we've been given. The scripture says we're going to be accountable for that. To whom much is given, much is required. And so I'm just going to ask you to do your part. The ushers will, you come forward at this time, We'll prepare to receive the offering. Father, we thank you for the great cause that you've given to us today. Again, Lord, there was nothing we could do during the Holocaust. There was nothing we could do during slavery and racism. We can try our best to make amends today, but Lord, this is a social issue that's right in front of our face today the poor in our world, those that are exploited, those, Lord, who are victims of injustice, we can do something about that. And I pray, Lord, that you would press on our hearts just a little extra today, that you would remind us of how much we have in this great country, how rich we are, Lord, in every way. I thank you for a congregation, a group of people that has such passion in their hearts for the loss, for the people who are hurting. Thank you for the generosity that you've blessed this church with, Lord. We're, we're asking one more time that you would enable us to reach out to our world and to make a difference. We pray your blessing on this offering and on every person who gives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for absorbing uh, the burden of the outreach. Um, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about this because God's given us a great assignment and he's given us the ability to accomplish it. So have a great day today. God bless you as you go. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to go to cccsterling.org media for more messages from Community Christian Church.